may I extend my welcome as well uh, on top of Emily's. Uh, I'm Martin Lazel, Vicar Senior Pastor here, married to Emily. We lead the church together. And it's great to see you. Happy Easter. And uh, yes, it's, it's really great to be together this, this evening. If you have a Bible, why don't you turn to Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to look at the resurrection story tonight just for a few minutes. So Matthew 28, verses 1 to 10, we're going to be reading. So after the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, so that's Sunday, Jesus was crucified on the Friday, in the tomb on the Saturday, and now we arrive on Resurrection Sunday. So at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. I wonder, where is your hope this Easter? We've been talking and singing a lot about the hope of the resurrection. We all need hope particularly when we look at the news these days. Hope is like sunshine for the soul. And we can choose to put our hope in so many different things. Sometimes we put our hope in other people, maybe in our relationships. Some of us might put our hope in political parties or maybe in being financially stable, maybe in our intelligence or in our qualifications. Maybe some of us put our hope in science or the persistent pursuit of pleasure. Whatever we choose to put our hope in, sooner or later we realize that none of those things particularly cut it. They let us down. They're temporary and uncertain. But fundamentally what Easter shows us what the resurrection of Jesus tells us is that there is a certain hope. And that certain hope has a name. His name is Jesus. Hope is alive. Jesus is alive. And this hope can be for us an anchor for the soul. That's the, what the writer of Hebrews says. An anchor for the soul, firm and secure. This is the controversial and yet confident claim of the Christian faith that we can have certain hope because Jesus is alive. And if that's true, some of you sort of look like you believe it. 
If that's true, then that has eternal implications for not just us in this room, but for the whole world. And I wonder if sometimes that hasn't necessarily gone from our heads into our hearts. The fact that Jesus has risen from the dead changes everything. I just want to give you a little uh, illustration uh, uh, for my next trick. <laughs> this rope. Now, imagine this rope just goes on forever and ever and ever and ever. You know, it sort of, well, it doesn't really. It sort of stops at the back there somewhere, but it sort of comes from out there. And imagine this just like a couple of times around the world and more and more. This represents just a timeline of eternity. This represents our existence. And now this little yellow part here, this represents our time on earth. These are the years that we have that are gifted to us on the earth. We're here just for a few short years. And I think what could be really challenging is that most of us, we spend all of our time thinking about this. And we don't give a lot of time to think about all of this. You see, we sort of think to ourselves, oh, well, perhaps I'll, um, I'll spend some time studying and then maybe I'll get a job and then I'll save some money here so that I can sort of enjoy this bit here when I retire. We can spend so much of our time, but you see, the Bible teaches us that although these years are important, what is really important is our eternal existence. And sometimes people say, well, they say to me, you know, aren't you a little bit stupid just for making decisions that impact your life here? You know, things that you've decided to give up or not do because you're a Christian. I'm like, well, I, I wonder if you're not so clever because you're making decisions that impact all of this that goes on for the whole of eternity. See, whether Jesus died and rose again is the critical decision that each one of us has to make that has implications for the whole of eternity. The Apostle Paul puts it like this in Romans 10, 9 to 10. He says, if you confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's good news. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus, if you believe with your heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. In other words, you can experience a relationship with God through Jesus, actually not just so that we can go to heaven forever, but that's a relationship that we can experience right now, that we can know today. The good news of the resurrection is not just good news about an event that happened in history. It's a good news about an encounter with a person. I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know what your background is necessarily, some of you. But whatever you believe, I think at some point we all have to take into consideration that something fairly significant happened on that first Easter morning. Something that has gone on to impact the lives of millions and millions of people all throughout the centuries. 
different ages, different stages, different ethnicities, different demographics, different socio-economic groups. And all of these people's experience of God hinges upon the truth of the resurrection. You see, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, and this is what we read in Scripture, then like some of us, then they're to be pitied. But if Jesus did rise from the dead, that changes everything. So what do we do? Which is it? I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 33 verse 20. He says, we put our hope in the Lord. We put our hope in the Lord. The message version says we're depending on God. He's everything that we need. In a way, those verses sum up the whole of the gospel. And I want to have that kind of confident hope in God, that level of assurance. But how should we respond to those bold claims? Two quick things tonight from this passage that we see. First, come and see. Come and see. In this passage, the angel says to the women, come and see. Verse 1, at dawn. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. You see, this has resonance with the creation narrative that we read all the way back in Genesis. In the beginning, what Matthew wants us to do here is to think about creation. And he's pointing us towards new creation, re-creation. This is the first day of something totally new at dawn on the first day of the week. If the whole world was created in seven days, this is like the eighth day. Something has changed. Something new has happened. Something in the very fabric of the universe has moved, has shifted. Jesus' resurrection is the first fruits, the first symbols of that new creation. So the women, they, they go and they check out the evidence. I find it interesting that the women, they weren't expecting to find the empty tomb. Sometimes we can read the story and think, oh, that, that was what they thought they were going to find. You know, stone rolled away and all of that kind of stuff. No, this would have been as confusing and challenging for them as it is for us. To hear and believe that Jesus has risen from the dead. They hadn't come to witness the resurrection. They were grieving. They were disappointed. They were disillusioned. They'd pinned all their hopes on this guy, Jesus. And yet in their minds, he was dead, or so they thought. And now he's risen from the dead. And they arrive and they find the stole the stone rolled away, and I love this part of the story, and an angel just sitting on the stone uh, who just starts talking to them. And like angels in the Bible, sort of standard practice, the first things they say, don't be afraid, because uh, that would be slightly terrifying. Uh, he says, don't be afraid. I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He has risen just as he said. The resurrection is proof that Jesus is who he said he is. He's the Savior. He's the Messiah. He is the Lamb of God who takes away 
the sin of the world. That's why we as Christians come together to celebrate and to worship him as our savior. The women, they're looking for Jesus. They're searching for Jesus. Like so many people longing, searching for him. Uh, On Thursday night here we had our I think it was our 60-second spear celebration. If you don't know what spear is, it's a program that really gets uh, young people back into education, employment, and training. And we were celebrating the, the 15 or so trainees who've come through that program in the hope that they would get plugged into employment. And when I first turned up to the evening, I was introduced by the Spear Centre manager to a man, and he's one of our local councillors, and we got chatting, and to be honest, it was a bit of small talk, and, but you know, because I'm a vicar in the Church of England, I can get away with this. So I just asked him straight off the bat, oh, where do you worship? And he sort of slightly just looked down at the floor momentarily, and he said, oh, um, oh I, I don't really worship anywhere. He said, oh, I used to. And then he just did this. He goes, I guess you could say I'm searching. And I thought that was so interesting. Because I think that's the experience of so many people. They don't necessarily go to church anymore, even if they did. But there's something that cries out in their hearts. And they're looking. They're longing. They're searching for a connection with God. And the invitation here. To us and to them is come and see. You see, the stone was rolled away not to let Jesus out. It wasn't his exit strategy. The stone was rolled away so that the witnesses could get in. So that they could see this miracle that had taken place. And there's transformation in this story, the women, they, they turn up grieving, disappointed, disillusioned, and yet they leave full of joy, full of hope. This is the beginning of their journey of fear turning to joy, disappointment turning to hope. And when we come and see, that's what we too can experience. We put our faith and our trust in him. When we take that step of faith putting our hands into his hand. And as somebody has once said before, you know, this isn't a blind leap of faith. This is a reasonable step of faith based on good evidence. There's evidence in this story that Jesus did rise, that he is who he said he is. The empty tomb, the angelic testimony, he has risen. The testimony of those who met Jesus in his resurrected body. We read later on in Acts that he revealed himself to over 500 people, 11 occasions over 40 days. That's a lot of witnesses. He didn't just reveal himself once or twice. He wasn't a ghost. He wasn't a hallucination. Even to the disciples, he came and he stood among them. And I love this. He said to Thomas, who's known as the most skeptical, doubting Thomas. He says, put your finger here, right in my side where the spear was put. See my hands. Stop doubting and believe. Imagine hearing those words from the risen 
Jesus, stop doubting and believe in me. Maybe you've come tonight, and if you're honest, you are a bit skeptical. Maybe you are doubting. I mean, we all doubt at different points, even those of us who have a strong faith. I love what Philip Yancey says. He says, you know, faith or doubt always coexists with faith. Because in the presence of certainty, who needs faith at all? God loves faith. In fact, it's impossible to please God without faith. And yet, he wants us to stop doubting and believe, to put our trust in him. Maybe you're thinking, how can I know? How can I really be sure? There's more evidence. I think about the disciples' response They had everything to lose and nothing to gain in responding to the resurrected Jesus. And yet, many of them spoke boldly about him. They risked torture. They risked imprisonment. They risked death. In fact, many of them were martyred for their faith. Why would they do that if they were making it all up? And of course, for Christians all throughout the ages as well. So many people encountering Jesus through the Holy Spirit, laying their lives down for him. And so many, so many of the persecuted church around the world are doing that to the point of death. Uh, I find it a staggering statistic that more people have been martyred for their faith in the last hundred years than throughout the whole of history. One person is martyred for their Christian faith every six minutes. Why would they do that if they genuinely hadn't met the risen Jesus? So each one of us is invited to respond afresh. Come and see that Jesus is alive. Secondly, our response is to go and tell. Both the angel and the resurrected Jesus tell These women, to go and tell. Go and tell the disciples. Verse 7 says, the angel says, go quickly and tell his disciples. So the women hurried away from the tomb. They had an excitement. They've got an enthusiasm. They've got a passion to tell other people about the truth of the risen Lord Jesus. And when they meet him, it's sudden. It says, suddenly they met him and they clasped his feet and they worshipped him. For many of us, when we met Jesus, maybe for the first time, it felt sudden, out of the blue. Jesus wants to meet with each one of us, but so often he comes suddenly. I think about my friend who's come to do the Alpha course this term. And uh, I'd never really been to church before, certainly never prayed before. I didn't really know anything about it. And it was a great privilege to be able to invite him along to Alpha and spend some time with him on sort of consecutive Wednesday nights. But he had an amazing experience of Jesus through the Holy Spirit on the Holy Spirit Day. And I didn't quite know what he was going to make of it. There were some talks and there was kind of worship like we've done earlier. And uh, it was amazing. We had this moment where we invited the Holy Spirit to come. And I was kind of, I shut my eyes to pray. But I kind of had one eye open as well to see what he was doing. And when I opened my eye, when I opened my eye to see, he literally was standing like this. In fact, we had to move people around him because his arms were so wide. He was sort of getting near them. And after a few moments of praying, I sort of said to him, oh, 
well, what's happening? And he gave this response. He said, I'm trying to get as wide as I possibly can to receive as much of God's love as I possibly can. You know, this is someone who never been to church, never prayed before. But Jesus met with him. The risen Jesus met with him suddenly. And the risen Jesus brings transformation into our lives. These women, they arrive, they're fearful, they're anxious, they're grieving, and yet they leave with a renewed sense of hope, meaning, purpose, and a renewed sense of joy and faith in telling others. You see, the resurrection is not just good news for us as individuals. It's not just so that we can go to heaven when we die. The resurrection of Jesus has implications for all things. It is the start of the renewal of all things. And the resurrection of Jesus points to a kingdom in the future where there'll be no more suffering, no more pain, no more tears, no more wars, no more injustice. And then one day we will see him face to face. If you want to know if Jesus' death on the cross, that moment of Good Friday, if you want to know if it worked, look at the resurrection. It was Newbegin, I think, who said the resurrection was not the reversal of a defeat, but the manifestation of a victory. The injustice and the pain and the suffering that we experience in our world on a day-to-day basis, it can be answered through the resurrection. This news that there will be healing and justice and love has won. And because of the resurrection, we don't grieve as those who have no hope. Many of us, in different ways I know, some recently, some in years gone by, we've lost loved ones. And how do we cope with that? How does that square up with the resurrection of Jesus? Well, the fact is, Paul says that we don't grieve as those who have no hope. One day we will be with him. Our future is secure. Death has been defeated. Apostle Paul says, where, O death, is your sting? Because he lives, we too live in him. Because of that truth, that's why we are called, empowered as the church to bring hope to help those around us, to break the chains of injustice, to eradicate hatred, to bring love and transformation, to bring life. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Each one of us is called and empowered. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. Called and empowered to bring this resurrection hope to the world. In Jesus' name, amen.